they often refer to Anapanasati as the crown or the pinnacle of all meditation methods. many of the meditation methods we use other than Anapanasati still bring the mind to a point where it practices Anapanasati. So for instance recollecting the Buddha reciting Bhutto when Mindfulness becomes continuous with the meditation word. It's sustained. The factors of samadhi begin to arise. Vitaka vichara, vitisoka ekakata. Then as the mind becomes one-pointed, The sense of knowing is so strong and continuous that the mind naturally lets go of the meditation word Bhutto. And the mind is just knowing itself inside. At that point, it's possible to continue on with Anapanasati and take the mind to an even deeper level inside, a deeper, more refined state of concentration. <clears throat> Similarly, with the other recollections, you're recollecting the Dhamma, the qualities of the Dhamma qualities of the Sangha, recollecting one's practice of Chaka, the dana that one has practiced, the sacrifices one has made, recollecting Sila, the practice of restraint and morality, virtues, whether it's five precepts, eight precepts, ten precepts, or 227 precepts, you're recollecting one sila and the qualities of hiriyotapa, shame, fear of wrongdoing, that lead us to keep, or allow us to keep sila. Recollection of death, Maranarusati, contemplating the certainty of death, the impermanence of life, the fact that we will separate from everything we love and are attached to. <coughs> All of these recollections, when the mind becomes established in mindfulness, there's this constant 
presence of mind with the knowing, then it will drop the meditation word or theme at that point. And it may be possible to proceed with Anapanasati. Depending on our characters, some people flourish by developing samatha over and over again, learning to one point the mind and let go of their conceptual thinking, proliferation, constantly bringing attention back to the meditation object and ever deepening the state of samadhi, so releasing the mind from the coarser objects that it may have been attached to in the beginning, moving towards the refined. So even in the development of samadhi itself, as the mind becomes more refined, the paying attention, directing attention to the object, vitaka, sustaining it with the object, can be abandoned and just the sense of well-being, contentment, bliss, rapture that arises is taken as the object. Other people find it very difficult to develop the path of samatha, <coughs> constantly experiencing mental agitation, moods, proliferation different obstacles, the different hindrances, and they need to use thinking in the conceptual mind to deal with that. You need to develop wisdom from an early stage in their practice. You need to develop skillful means to overcome the different obstacles that pop up into the mind. So a skillful way is to contemplate the three characteristics of experience and apply that contemplation straight away in the practice to help the mind settle down so that one can deepen the state of concentration. So becoming familiar with using anicca or dukkha or anatta, one of these three reflections apply to one's own mind as one's meditating. So to recollect impermanence or change, anicca sanya, the perception of change and apply to the thinking mind, say, sensations that arise in the body, thoughts, feelings, memories. Observing change, the arising and the ceasing of thought, of feeling, of memories. 
becoming so familiar with that. You just get to know whatever arises must cease. And whatever is impermanent, temporary, doesn't belong to us. So whatever thought is arising that is causing an obstruction in our meditation, agitating, disturbing the mind, we apply the recollection of impermanence and just keep watching, observing, and that thought will change, arise, disappear again. <coughs> every thought, every concept, idea, memory, arises, ceases, and in that sense doesn't belong to us. We're just the one witnessing, observing. So we're learning to let go, loosen our attachment to our own thoughts, loosen the identification with every thought, the habit of taking everything so personally, giving it so much meaning. We're learning to train the mind skillfully to observe the impermanence of what we previously took as permanent, solid, very important. Now we can see is actually something that arises and ceases, doesn't really belong to us. So the sense of ownership of thoughts, feelings subsides and the mind experiences more peace from that and more equanimity, more spaciousness towards its own mental constructions, stories, memories, emotions. We can use investigation of the three characteristics to develop wisdom to help deepen our practice of samadhi, bring the mind to this place of equanimity and then maybe carry on with the breathing meditation. What is impermanent is dukkha, it's unstable, doesn't last. What is unstable doesn't last, cannot be taken as any kind of permanent self. So the sense of ownership keeps fading. The mind returns to just knowing with equanimity. If we use wisdom in this way, then we can train our minds regularly to bring it, bring our minds to this place of equanimity towards our own physical and mental experience towards this body and mind, to observe things as they are from equanimity. And little by little this deepens the sense of detachment, sense the concentration and the sustained mindfulness. Other people develop wisdom by going straight to contemplating the body. 
as we taught when we ordained as novices and monks, mm -hmm. to fix attention on the 32 parts of the body, one by one. From here of the head, here of the body, nails, teeth, skin, just over and over, back and forth, contemplating them. And in the beginning, just thinking about each body part, what it is, where it comes from. Becoming more familiar with this perception of the body as impermanent, a source of suffering, and ultimately something that doesn't belong to us. Just as thoughts and arise and pass away, this body is arising, passing away each moment. The sensations, the physical experience of a body, it's changing. Hair is growing and falling out. We have secretions coming out of our body all the time. You have tears when you face the wind or in different situations, tears come to the eyes. Or when you wake up in the morning, you have dry tears around your eyes. We have phlegm, we have snot, sweat, grease, so on. Constantly changing. We eat food and we have to excrete it out. We can run through each part of the body, noting the impermanence and selfless nature of each body part. The four elements that come together to make up this body. Yeah, they didn't belong to us in the beginning. It is part of the world. The food we eat, the air we breathe, the liquid we drink. And that doesn't belong to anybody. It's just four elements, whether we eat vegetables and fruit, or we eat meat, whatever we absorb into this body didn't belong to us in the beginning, didn't be doesn't belong to us now, and it won't belong to us in the future. Four elements, but it goes to sustain the body, nourishment, and then our mind, out of its delusion, takes hold of this body. This is me, mine, myself. We contemplate to see this is not true. These elements that come in with food and drink don't belong to me. Don't belong to anyone and they go according to their own nature. The body does its own thing, it follows its own processes every day, whether we like it or not, whether we interfere or not, whether we call it my body and give it a name or not. The body just continues on according to its own nature, follows its own set of biological laws, processes which are not self. Whatever we think about the body, it just carries on by itself. We don't really need to get involved with it other than to just know it and look after it. But we don't really have to get too attached to it or caught up in it. 
because it's just part of nature. So whatever avenue we use to develop wisdom, looking at the mind and the contents of the mind, looking at the body and the contents of the body, we're developing the perception of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, the ownerless nature of it, body and mind. And this brings to mind to equanimity, calm. And from that, we can refine that state of calm. Again, return to samatha objects, to the breath, or to buddho and take the mind into a deeper level, letting go. As we practice, we'll find this alternating between the use of wisdom and the use of the samatha object. Sometimes the mind just knows itself what it needs to do. Other times we have to guide it. We have to experiment and guide it. But we'll find after contemplating for a period of time, it uses up mental energy and the mind will turn towards agitation, restlessness and proliferation again. So we have to calm it down. But if we never learn to contemplate, our calm, our state of calm is always limited can even turn to dullness or just becomes a dead end. Even though the mind calms down, we don't actually gain any insight or understanding. So we have to train in these two aspects together, calm and insight. Sajjan Chah said it's like the a knife. You have the ridge of the knife or the blade of the knife which has weight to it and you have the blade and the sharpness of the blade that can cut through cut through some bread or cut through some vegetables or something if you didn't have the ridge the heaviness the weight you couldn't press down to cut properly if you just have a blade you wouldn't have the weight behind it, you wouldn't be able to cut through. If you just have a ridge with no sharp blade, you can, still can't cut through either, you can just press down but without being able to cut. You need both together for a knife to function properly. And the mind is like this, it needs both calm and insight together. And they're both aspects of the same mind. They support each other and they grow out of each other so we can't really separate them. Even though on paper we do, in the texts, in discussions, in practice, they're two parts of the same thing. Sometimes we need to sharpen the knives, we need to train to contemplate in a more sustained way make the mind more skillful in using the contemplation. Other times we need to firm it up, strengthen it, and just through samatha and learning to let go of all 
mental agitation, get beyond the hindrances. So part of that is just learning through experience how to meditate and how to apply your mind, how to apply the teachings in the course of meditation. We can't always predict what the mind will bring up, so we have to have an array of skills and skillful means that we can bring up in different situations. Sometimes just need to calm the mind, other times need to reflect, contemplate to solve some problem. Efforts are directed towards getting to know the mind itself, turning our attention inwards as we meditate. We've spent many years learning about the world around us and how to live in it, and what to do, where to go, do things. We know many things. But that still doesn't necessarily mean we know our own hearts and minds yet. Doesn't mean we can necessarily cool our minds down, bring them to equanimity yet. This is what is the real judge of our meditation and it's the real task is to learn how to do that. And ultimately it's the kindest, most compassionate thing a human being can do to free their own heart from greed, anger and delusion the causes of suffering. Whatever else we do in the world, if we haven't done that successfully yet, then everything else we do will be limited. Our ability to help others sort out the problems of the world will always be limited if we haven't yet sorted out our own hearts. So especially as living in a monastery, this is what our main purpose is every day as we practice, whether walking, sitting, lying down, working, eating, resting. We're constantly returning to our own hearts and minds, developing more mindfulness, applying the teachings there. If we're not yet peaceful, then that means we haven't done it enough. All of us need to <clears throat> practice more, put more effort into the practice, and that's where the fruits will come. We can't do it by just knowing and from books and discussion alone. We have to turn that in, inside and know from our own experience. Really find a peaceful, calm, happy mind for ourselves. So we can carry on meditating for the rest of the period. 